0: Fantastic opportunity to to share a message with yourselves. Thank you very much for tuning in. Um, I'd like to begin by setting some context for the message. As a spiritual family, we've been exploring a theme over several weeks. Predominantly, uh, Pastor Michael's been exploring the theme with, with his team at the local fellowship, which is preparing us to, in my opinion, and given what Pastor's been sharing, move into a new season. So in that local fellowship, uh, we are currently exploring a theme entitled Making Room for God. And last week, Craig Fester ministered to us on making room for God through godly living, giving his testimony growing up. So importantly, two weeks ago, during Pastor Andreas' message, he gave a prophetic word from Isaiah 54, 2 and 3. And we know the scripture, let me read it out, but this is... In my walk at Alpha and Omega over the last 16 years, this is the third time that Pastor Andreas has put this portion of Scripture across to us prophetically and said he believes strongly that this is the season we're going to be walking into. So from Isaiah 54, and 3, Enlarge the place of your tent. Stretch your tent curtains wide. Do not hold back. Lengthen your cords. Strengthen your stakes for you will spread out to the right and to the left. Your descendants will possess nations and settle in their desolate cities." In light of this, I wanted to share a message with you that's been impressed on my heart and mind for over a year, Um, something that has been burning inside of me, uh, and it's been a blessing to share it with yourselves this evening. So in January last year, that's January 2021, the Lord began to minister to me through his word on transforming my way of thinking. The title of my message today is Making Room for the New Wine of Christ. Making Room for the New Wine of Christ. A portion of scripture that I want us to look at together Uh, From the New Living Translation, we will look at the book of Luke, and we're going to look at Luke 5, and this portion of scripture is in the Synoptic Gospel, so it's Matthew, Mark, and Luke. Matthew, it's chapter 9, and in Mark, it's chapter 2. I particularly like the way Luke has written it in chapter 5 of Luke. If you would turn with me in the New Living Translation, or your version, to verse 17. Luke chapter 5, 17. One day Jesus was teaching, and Pharisees and teachers of the law were sitting there. They had come from every village of Galilee and from Judea and Jerusalem, and the power of the Lord was with Jesus to heal the sick. Some men came carrying a paralyzed man on a mat and tried to take him into the house to lay him before Jesus. Jesus. Jesus knew what they were thinking and asked, Why are you thinking these things in your hearts? Which is easier, to say, your sins are forgiven, or to say, get up and walk. But I want you to know that the Son of Man has authority on earth to forgive sins. So he said to the paralyzed man, I tell you, get up, take your mat, and go home. Immediately he stood up in front of them, Took what he had been lying on and went home praising God. Let's go to verse 27. After this, Jesus went out and saw a tax collector by the name of Levi sitting at his tax booth. Follow me, Jesus said to him. And Levi got up, left everything, and followed him. Then Levi held a great banquet for Jesus at his house, and a large crowd of tax collectors. Verse 33, they said to him, John's disciples often fast and pray, and so do the disciples of the Pharisees, but yours go on eating and drinking. Jesus answered, can you make the the friends of the bridegroom fast while he is with them? The time will come when the bridegroom will be taken from them, and in those days they will fast. Verse 37, Jesus speaking, and no one pours new wine into old wineskins. Otherwise, the new wine will burst the skins. The wine will run out and the wineskins will be ruined. No, new wine must be poured into new wineskins. New wine must be poured into new wineskins. So how does this all relate? we see a fairly common pattern. When Jesus healed the paralyzed man, religious leaders disagreed and were angered. When Jesus dined with tax collectors and others, religious leaders disagreed and were angered. When Jesus and his disciples were feasting, not fasting, religious leaders disagreed and were angered. In fact, when we read on in Luke 6, we see two other instances both taking place on the Sabbath where Jesus and or his disciples were eating and healing. And you guessed it. Religious leaders disagreed and were angered. So there's a clear pattern that we can see here. And I wonder for some of us, maybe all of us, if we can see a similar pattern in our own lives. What was Jesus trying to communicate to the religious leaders when he spoke about new wineskins? Was it a misinterpretation of the law? Is he trying to explain the law in a different way? Were the religious leaders saying, this is how the law should be interpreted? And Jesus was saying, you've got it wrong. Instead, this is how it should be interpreted. No, no. Jesus is highlighting that in order to understand his kingdom and carry out the purposes of God in our lives, we need an open mind. We need an open mind. We need a mind that is flexible, malleable, moldable, teachable, and humble. I believe that we all desire new wine in our lives. And in this instance, new wine represents hope It represents contentment, fulfillment, joy, prosperity. And Jesus teaches us that a prerequisite for the outpouring of his new wine is new wineskins. There is no new wine until there's new wineskins. So, what are wineskins? We've heard this term. This is an old biblical term. This is going back many thousands of years. It's not a term that we use today, it's not synonymous with how we do life and even drink wine today. So wine skins were animal skins that had gone through a process of cleaning called tanning. And they were sewed up to create a vessel for storing liquids. They worked particularly well with maturing wine. Therefore, we get the term wine skins from those skins. Wineskins were were used for millennia. And we've come, our generations come late to the party, right? Uh, Many thousands of generations or thousands of years, hundreds of generations have gone before us. And wineskins were used much longer than the modern winemaking vessels, such as barrels and vats. For the most part, I believe wineskins are metaphorical here. They represent our thinking. So wineskins represent our thinking. But more particularly, wineskins represent our mindset. I really like the term mindset. From the Oxford Dictionary, the definition of mindset is the established set of attitudes held by you and I. Another dictionary says a person's way of thinking and their opinions. And the definition that I like the most is, mindset is a set of beliefs that shape how you and I make sense of the world and how we make sense of ourselves. So I believe for us to enter into this new season, the season being Isaiah 54, 2 and 3, Jesus is calling us to renew our thinking in order to receive what he has for each of us, what he wants to pour out, both in terms of us as individuals, perhaps our families, our spiritual families, our places of work, etc. Historically, wine was a highly prized gift. It was not as abundant as it is today. It was stored and preserved for major celebrations, such as weddings. Um, graduations etc among other things wine skins are used to transport this gift for these important occasions god cannot entrust us with new wine new opportunities new relationships finances etc until we've renewed our thinking and invigorated our belief in jesus So it is imperative to change our thinking. It's imperative for us to be in a constant state of changing our thinking, to change how our minds are set. And for some of us, our minds are set in concrete. We've got to do this before we can receive what Jesus has for us in this new season that I'm convinced by. And I bet if you're like me, we struggle with our thinking in one way or another. Just think for a moment about the things that have bothered you recently, the things that weigh on your mind, the things that you call to mind frequently. What has ocup- occupied your mind lately? The thing that, you know, part of you saying to yourself, will I ever get over this? Will we ever see a resolution here? Will this come to pass? Will this pass by me? What is that thing that's been rolling around? The good news, but also strangely what is difficult to hear, is that changing our thinking, changing our mindset, is well within our control. Changing our thinking requires us to pause and recognize our thought patterns in different areas of our lives. How often do we pause? How often do we take time to stop and think, to review our own thinking? Perhaps these are areas where we have persistent issues or areas where we feel discouraged, deflated, even impartial, indifferent, average. Perhaps we've lost the will to care in a situation or areas where we desperately need breakthrough. This parable of Jesus really emphasizes the importance of new wineskins. I want to share some of the revelation I've received over the last 18 months on what wineskins might represent in our lives. I'm really hoping that some of the things that I share will be applicable in your lives. I'm, I'm fairly convinced that it's not going to be all of it, but I'm hoping something will touch you in a particular area. And to help us grasp some of these representations of what wineskins might mean in our lives, I think there's three important things to note about this parable. Firstly, you can take an old wineskin and you can renew it by submerging it in water, and then you can massage oil into the leather. Secondly, you can replace an old wineskin with a new one. And thirdly, there is a process of transformation that takes place when the wine is in the wineskin. And I want to talk about these three things. So what might renewing our wineskin mean? The wineskin represents the soul of man. When it is full of God's word, it is purposeful and content. But it welters and it shrivels through circumstances, when we are distant from the Lord. Once a wineskin has been emptied of all the old wine, it becomes dry, it becomes hard and brittle. The wineskin, as I mentioned, needs to be submerged in water for a period of time. Then it has oil poured onto it and the oil is massaged into the leather to make it renew and make it pliable and usable again. Secondly, new wineskins represent new understanding. Perhaps new paradigms, new understanding is calling out to us. But only those of us that are listening and have prepared can understand them. If we do not remain pliable, moldable in our thinking and humble, opportunities are going to pass us by without noticing. There will be things we just don't see or things we just don't understand because our hearts, our minds have become hard, brittle, impenetrable. Thirdly, new wineskins represent protection. And the term that keeps coming to mind when I think about protection is a fairly new age term called future-proofing. To future-proof, it's like a form of insurance, If we remain fresh, we will always be able to receive new understanding, paradigms, perspectives, and the opportunities that these bring. Family, marketplace, in our spiritual families, etc. We will not be caught out or overly perturbed and distressed by challenges. But we'll have the perspective to understand how challenges fit into the big picture that the Lord has called us to influence. We'll have a perspective to move in a difficult situation from perhaps a point of view to a viewing point where we can understand the points of view of others. Sometimes our old wineskins need to be replaced with brand new wineskins. And wineskins can represent true repentance to change our thinking. Repent means so much more than being conscious stricken or contrite. The underlying Greek word is a form of metanoia, which means to undergo a fundamental change in one's mind or character. I had to use a Greek term pastor sitting on my left here. Simply put, to repent is to change one's thinking, to shift paradigms. And those of us that are born again will know that that process, particularly when we became born again, was a process of creating a brand new wineskin. Wineskins represent paradigms. Creating a new wine skin will enable us to shift paradigms. It represents a higher dimension or a deeper dimension of thinking and doing. This can also be helped through God's revelation knowledge, through his word. And I know in my own life, when I look at perhaps my marriage, in the way that I raise my children, in my workplace, uh, in the friendships that I have and I influence, I'm looking in some of those environments to really shift paradigms at this stage. And I know in order to do that, I've really got to change my mindset, my thinking. Thirdly, you'll notice that scripture talks uh talks about wineskins, not in a singular sense. So it doesn't talk about wineskin. It talks in a plural sense, wineskins. So for some of us, what Jesus might be saying in this particular parable is to increase the number of wineskins, to increase our vessels by adding more. And maybe different kinds. This is adding to our thinking bringing in new thoughts, expanding our knowledge and understanding. And again, this is across numerous dimensions of our lives. What do wineskins do with wine? Wine Wineskins represent predominantly an evolution towards maturity, an evolving process, a continual paradigm shift. After wine is put into a a new wineskin, it's never the same again the maturation process is for life and cannot be reversed the new wine inside the new wine skins represents fullness it represents maturity something has fermented and matured and is now ready to burst forth it signifies maturity in our spiritual development and it also shows that we need Wine skins to mature us. It needs. We need different mindsets, whether it's at work, through church, marriage, etc. We're never too old to change our mindset, our thinking. We're never too old, despite what society has said, despite the adages and the idioms that we use. Look at Abraham and Sarah, how the Lord needed to work at their thoughts and their actions. Before his promises could could be materialized, well after childbearing years, both of them near 100 years old. In fact, for those of you who do happen to change your mindsets in your older years, your impact is likely to be incredibly great. And again, the example of Abraham and Sarah is really poignant there. The last thing I wanted to say on wineskins in particular was the importance of transition. The Gospels, these three Gospels, do not suggest that old wine is thrown out. Instead, the new wine represents an essential ongoing transition from the old to the new. From the old to the new. New wineskins are needed to ferment new wine, to create the next batch of mature wine. So this passage does not undermine the old wine, but it is looking at a constant supply of wine and a constant supply of fresh new wineskins. And it is Father's Day today, and it's a privilege, myself, to be a father. It's a privilege to have our spiritual father in the house today, in person. It's a privilege in my life to have my own biological father, to have my father-in-law. It's a privilege to have effectively Gary's grandfather in our lives as well, and it's a privilege to be a father. So I thought this particular component of transition was important to share. This is probably the thing that I believe is most important for many of us to grasp today. Something that I spoke to Pastor about yesterday as we sat together watching my son play cricket, enjoying time together talking. This is the thing that has been brewing in in my heart recently. To have the perspective to see how we fit into the Lord's multi-generational picture. How we see ourselves as a link in a chain not as an entire chain in and of ourselves, but just a link in a chain. So this is a message to to the fathers, to the grandfathers, and even the great-grandfathers, and we even had a great-grandfather join us for lunch today. For many of us, it is highly unlikely the Lord will fulfill his dream for you in your lifetime. But instead, he'll fulfill his dream through your life in your offspring, your sons and daughters, our sons and daughters. Moses didn't enter the promised land. It was Joshua who was anointed, who crossed the Jordan into Canaan. Moses wasn't even alive to see it. David didn't build the temple that he so desired. That mandate was given to Solomon. David wasn't alive to see it. Jesus invested in his disciples. He departed at a young age so we could have the Holy Spirit. And for 2,000 years, his disciples, believers, have been carrying out his purposes. Even yesterday, as I spoke to Pastor, he impressed on me and he emphasized his purpose. He only wants to live for his sons and daughters. He wants to pour himself out to see their potential realized on this earth. So I think that's, I suppose, enough with the theory on on wineskins. I I wanted to get a bit practical, um, and I wanted to quickly check how this is applicable to you and to me. I'd like to share a very brief testimony where I recognized a fundamental change in my thinking, and it's a testimony of how I moved from very short-term mindedness to a very long-term endurance mindedness, where I was able to appreciate the value of patient, and as the word calls it, patient endurance in my life. Um, As a young person, as a young boy, I came from a family of sprinters. I came from a family of sportsmen, but they were sprinters. My father was a sprinter. He was actually a record holder, very short distances. He was the fastest, Person on the sports pitch, um, right the way through school and and the army and university, something which, as a boy, I loved when he told me stories about his sprinting. My mother was a swimmer and she was a sprinter and she was a fantastic swimmer, even uh, as my father went into university, he did a lot of weightlifting and he was very strong and powerful, but there was no sign of endurance sports at all, and growing up. I wanted to emulate everything that my father and my mother did. I heard stories about my uncle and my grandfather. And I really took on this mindset that we were a family of sportsmen, yes, but sprinters. And so I used to be very quick. I used to swim very quick. And this really, I didn't realize, but growing up, and this is a message to you parents out there, This molded my thinking as a child. I saw myself not just in sport, but in everything I did. I saw myself to be a sprinter, someone who had an ability to go quick and stop. I did not see myself as someone who had the ability to do and endure. I didn't realize how much this affected my thinking in multiple dimensions of my life. As a young man, I was very impulsive. I used to like to make decisions quickly. I often got angry and I had outbursts of anger. When I had difficult situations to deal with, whether it was at church, at work, uh, either in in my courtship to Kerry or early marriage, I wanted to find quick resolution I wanted to react. I didn't have the ability to endure. I didn't have the ability to apply true biblical patience. And what's more, and what's more important, significantly more important, I did not fundamentally believe I could. I did not believe I had the ability to endure. I did not believe I was created to do that. Then I went through a period after having children where I was forced in different situations to address this. And one of the ways that I addressed this, and I didn't even know at the time, was I decided through an injury that I had in my hip to start running. I didn't like running. Kerry was a runner and she'd encouraged me to run. Um, At the time, I had other influences. Michael, Pastor Michael, started running. And even my father started doing park runs and he would say to me, uh, he did a park run or he walked it, why don't I sign up? After a while, I decided to enter my first marathon and I started to go on these rather long four-month journeys of training for marathons. Waking up at four in the morning, uh, you know, running 20, 30, 40 kilometers on the weekend, uh, putting in the mileage during the week. And that was an incredibly difficult process for me. Nothing about running was enjoyable. It was uncomfortable. Uh, It was a place of discomfort. And it was a place of pain. And the thing that I disliked the most about running and running long distance was having to be in my head for two, three, four, even five hours at a time. Sometimes with no one to speak to. And in those moments, I had to remain stable. I had to remain stoic in my thinking. I had to deal with all kinds of thoughts, thoughts that told me to stop running, thoughts that told me that this was completely ridiculous. But over a period of five, six, seven years of doing this and entering marathon after marathon after marathon after going on these training runs, I developed an ability which is obviously still very much in development to endure and to endure patiently. Running really taught me, running distance really taught me to deal with myself. It taught me to work through situations. It taught me to not want to be pulled out of and saved from difficult situations. It taught me to be stoic, to be patient, and to work through situations. In fact, running became running and doing endurance races became so powerful that I would often walk into difficult work meetings and I would say to myself, I now have the ability that's been created to be the last man standing in this meeting, to endure despite the awkwardness, the the disagreement, um, the difficulty. I knew that I wasn't going to want to react and get out of it as soon as possible. And so when I reflect back on this time, this, this testimony, what God worked in my life, I realized that what God was doing was creating new wineskins in my life. He was creating the ability for me to develop pace, patient endurance, to have faith, to push through despite everything in my body saying this is completely stupid, This this profits you little. What are you doing? I had to wrestle with myself. And out of all of this, I came out in every facet of my life. I had the ability now that I didn't have before to endure patiently. And more so than that, I had the ability and I had the mindset to say to myself, you can endure, which I never did. For 25 years, I could never endure. I have the ability now to pass on to my children. Yes, I see in my son and my daughter that they're sprinters, but there's no reason that they can't be endurance athletes either. There's no reason that they can't be highly influential one day in enduring through difficult situations, either politically or economically or in very difficult relationships. And I want to pass it on to my children. So practically, what might new wineskins mean for you? Maybe it's a a difficult relationship, a friendship that has been dogged by unforgiveness that is completely overdue. Who are we to hold anything against anyone when Jesus died, taking each of our filth and shame? Let us forgive our brothers and sisters. Maybe it's a new relationship, perhaps it's an engagement or marriage. You simply cannot stay the same. Those of you that are married, you simply cannot stay the same. Maybe it's a change of season. You've become a new father, a new grandfather. How does your mind sh- mindset need to shift now to impart to the next generation in the most meaningful way? It's not just about living for you, perhaps, anymore. It's about thinking first about others generationally in understanding what your purpose is to impart. Maybe it's an opportunity in the marketplace, a new business venture, the prospect of a promotion, the prospect of greater influence to have more people report into you, to manage others, to talk into the lives of others. These are all practical ways that we can renew or create new wineskins in our lives. In closing, I want to leave you with these thoughts. How much longer are we going to accept the mundane in our lives? How much longer are we going to see ourselves as below average and well below how God sees us? How much longer are we going to continue to struggle in that relationship, in that job, in those circumstances? Instead. What is available to us today is the potential for real, for meaningful, for tangible change. By the Lord's enabling grace, we have everything we need to change starting today. We are the custodians of our minds. We are the shapers of our mindsets. Let us renew our thinking. Proverbs 12, we note well, but it's poignant to read in closing. Proverbs 12, 1 and 2 from the New Living Translation. And I paraphrase. Dear brothers and sisters, I plead with you. Don't copy the behavior and customs of this world. But let God transform you into a new person by changing the way you think. Then you will learn to know God's will for you, which is good and pleasing and perfect. Father God, thank you for your word this evening. Thank you, Father, for being in our midst. um, And thank you for imparting something to each of us, Lord. Thank you for touching each of us, perhaps convicting some of us, Lord, perhaps affirming something in others, Lord perhaps bringing healing. Thank you for being here this evening, Lord. And we ask for your enabling grace, Lord. We ask for your favour in this area, Lord. We say to you, Lord, we don't want to be the same. We want to transform as people. We want to transform as a spiritual family. We want to transform in our marriages, in our friendships, in our workplaces, Lord. Lord, We want to be fruitful and multiply on this earth, Father. Thank you for every individual and every family connected this evening, Lord. Renew your purposes and your perfect and pleasing will in their lives, Lord. Help us reset our minds, Lord, in certain areas. Help us create new wineskins. Help us renew old wineskins, Lord. And Father God, we say, have your way and pour out your new wine, Lord. And by faith, as a spiritual family, we accept this new season in Isaiah. This new season of enlarging our tents, Lord. Father, give us the humility and the grace that we need to walk into this new season, Lord. Deal with us and put your finger, Father, on those mindsets, on that, on that way of thinking that we've had, Lord, that's displeasing to you. We thank you for this. In the name of Jesus, we pray. Amen. Thank you for listening to this message. For additional resources or more information about this ministry, come and visit us at alphaomegaint.org.za.